The history. Tell me what you saw. The people. Hey, neighbor. The legends. I bring good news. The actions. If you build it, he will come. The vision and evolution of Southern California's desert cities. Boy, I got vision and the rest of the world wears bifocals. From mid-century. We're halfway there. To modern day. I'm building something. These are the stories of how the greater Palm Springs region has become America's playground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do this. iHub Radio presents Coachella Valley Chronicles with Randy Florence. Welcome to this week's version of the Coachella Valley Chronicles. I am Randy Florence. Glad to have you here again today. You know, each week we talk to those in the valley that have shaped who we are and where we're going to be. And that certainly fits my guest today. My guest today was born and raised in Indio. He graduated in 1998 from Indio High. He graduated from the College of the Desert's first public safety academy in 2018. And he became the first, I'm sorry, in 2018, he became Indio's first black council person. And next year will be the first black mayor in Indio's almost 100 year history. I'd like to introduce to the Coachella Valley Chronicles, Mayor Pro Tem Wayman Furman. Wayman, how are you? How you doing, Randy? I'm great. Great to hear from you. I just want to make one correction. We did have one other uh, former African-American council member, and that was Troy Strange, who is one of my uh, close associates now, so I just want to recognize him. But thank you for having me. It's an honor. Oh, of course, and thank you for the clarification there. I know Troy, and I, I'm disappointed I forgot about him. So thank you, Raymond. <laughs> hey, Wayman, I have just been looking forward to this conversation. Uh, you've been such an important part of Indio, and, and as somebody looking into the city, I've been watching it very carefully. I want to kind of start from the beginning. You know, one of the things we do on this show is is talk to the folks about kind of how they were brought up, how they became the people that they were, and in a lot of instances, overachievers, uh, that when you look back on it, you can think there were as many reasons for them not to succeed as there were for them to succeed. Paint a little picture of us, or for us, of you growing up. What was it like in India? Well, Randy, you know, I, I come from a solid family would some would refer to as good blood um we we have a really solid foundation and a love and compassion and caring and so um, when my family came to the coachella valley specific my mother in 76 um india was a, a different place and um i came popping along um born in india community hospital which is now jfk um in 1979 december of 79 you know so um growing up here i i i was very fortunate um i would say um, i had two older brothers um india was such a diverse community um i was accepted with open arms into many households and family and dinner tables um and i was india's child um you know i i went to public schools here in india um from Kennedy Elementary, Hoover School Elementary, um, uh, Jefferson, and then uh, Indio Middle School opened. I went over to Indio Middle, graduated from Indio High School in 1998, and I uh, proceeded to College of the Desert, and I uh, went into my career in, into law enforcement. So um, I, I, I had such a great experience growing up, and I had a great village around me of a lot of folks who I, I uh, constantly remind myself um, if not for them, um, I may not be where I'm at now, you know, so I was very fortunate growing up in the city of India. 
I love that. Um, Wayman, in our conversations, you talk a lot about that village um, and, and growing up as a, uh, a young man in Indio. Um, your mom was, was uh, a single mom. Was she working full time? Well, you know, I, I, I'll go back and, and to a little bit about my mother. Please. You know, um, uh, she was a single mother, but uh, raising three men is no easy feat. <laughs> and when I look back, I have three children, and my children have both parents. Um, you know, we're comfortable. Um, we're, we're not rich by any means, but we're comfortable. Um, but in my situation growing up, we were uh, humble and... and um, my mother worked really hard, you know, um, starting, you know, she worked in the, in the, the grape fields, mm. you know, we watched my mother get up at, you know, three, four o'clock in the morning and, and, and go work in the fields and, and at the same time, get out and, and go to school. And then she, um, started working at, at one of the middle schools here. And, uh, shortly thereafter she finished school, she was working at a private school, um, in Indio, a Trinity Child Development Center, which many of, of our residents here in the city know. Many of our residents know my mother. Um, she taught many of, uh, of, of students and also their children. And so she was there for around 25 years. So if anyone is, uh, uh credited for it, where I'm at or my, where my brother's at, definitely my mother hmm what do you see in yourself from your mom um you know uh the compassion hmm. um you know I, I as i as i look at my uh family members and my my aunts and uncles i i got something from all but i i learned the compassion and honesty from my mother um there were many times growing up in the city of Indio, and there were folks who were less fortunate than we were, but they were happy and content with what they had. My mom would give her last to help her neighbor or a friend, you know. So um, I'm a firm believer that someone's always watching us, right? <laughs> and 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 I watched my mother do that. So I think that was implanted in me at a young age, you know. But um, in the uh, nutshell her face her smile wow. that's me that's me you lost your mom recently didn't you blame yeah i you know randy it's one of those things to where um everything in our journey sets us up for where we are now and growing up my mother was always a big advocate for breast cancer you know she she uh, uh lost a friend a co-worker um, who was near and dear to our family. And so from that point on, my mother became a big advocate for breast cancer. And oddly, or should I say by destiny, um, she she got breast cancer. And um, even during her journey, we learned a lot. Um, I learned a lot about myself. Um, we made memories. Um, we had some long nights. We had some good nights. And... Um, February 8th, uh, she gained her wings. But I think that's when I really grew up into the man that I am now. She handed me the baton, and now I have to carry it. Thank you for sharing that, Wayman. You know, I, I um, was reading a story about uh, you as a, uh, a sprinter in high school, and uh, you talked about how you handled teammates that might not be pulling their weight 
Um, and and you, even at that time, you were kind of talking about getting together as a village and as a group and, and, and talking to people. Where do you think you started to pick up some of those leadership skills? And when did you start recognizing that you had them? You know, Randy, I, um, I, I was that, um, you know, there's a new movie out now on Netflix, and it's called uh, The White Tiger. And growing up, as I look back, I was that white tiger. I was a little eccentric as, as a youngster growing up. And so during the summers, my brothers and I, we would bounce around to our different aunts and uncles' houses, you know, whether we were in the Bay Area, Laughlin or Las Vegas, uh, Eagle Mountain, you know, we, we bounced around. And spending a lot of time with my uncle in Laughlin, um, he was a, he's a coach, um, and uh, he's a teacher, and he had great um, tools and and metaphors and ways of teaching his students and knowing how to pull the best out of them, uh, whether it was student or athlete. He knew how to pull the best out of them. So I watched uh, him how he worked with his students and I also watched some of the parents uh, of my friends you know growing up just watching them uh, one of our one of the folks I spoke to you about earlier was uh, Rudy Acosta he was my basketball coach growing up as a youngster and uh, his son and I you know we were, were great friends and, you know, we're all best friends growing up and Rudy Acosta was uh, another mentor in my life who I watched and not only just by him coaching me, I watched and, and how he led and how he kn- knew how to pull the best out of us, not only as athletes, but as teenagers and youngsters, you know. So um, I always believe that when you, once you learn something, no one could take that away from you, right? So I had a lot of great people around me that taught me these traits. Mm, that's wonderful. You had, um, obviously, you're, you, you're in a law enforcement career now. You had some challenges with law enforcement earlier that you've talked to a couple of times that kind of influenced you. Would you mind sharing those with us? Yes, I uh, I, I could share one uh, incident that happened, or maybe a couple. Um, I, I was interviewed not so long ago by Desert Sun, and uh, I had shared some. But um, I what I what I do is I share these. Uh, uh, interactions and then I'll share a positive one um, being that I, I am a law enforcement officer you know I understand how things work sometimes or how things could be perceived so I, I think even now in the climate that we were in um, I arrived at the perfect time to to work on some of these issues in our communities but um, growing up as a, as a youngster you know I, I did have a, a interaction with the officer here in Indio um, you know, I so happened to be walking to football practice with a friend of mine who happens to be uh, white, and, or he's half white and half uh, Latino. But um, you know, it's funny we were walking to practice and uh, we were getting ready for a pep rally, right? So my friend he used to write these uh, rap lyrics for me, and, and we're <laughs> rapping, and he's telling me what to do or not to say. And so I'm moving my hands, and we're walking down the street. And the officer rides by, comes around, and uh, stops me and says that I was uh, throwing gang signs at him. 
And so if anyone knows uh, uh, the Furman family, they know that there's no gang member in that house. My mom wasn't going for that. So, um, you know, I got put on the car and patted down and uh, treated how you're not supposed to treat a teenager who's not doing nothing. And so um, I I look back at some of those incidents that happened, and I thought to myself, well, there were some good things that happened uh, uh, in some of my interactions. And I talked about uh, a sergeant who's now at India uh, Police Department, um, Lisa Corden, you know, um, who was very instrumental in just being an example at a young age. Um, I had some interactions with her that turned out positive that actually influenced me to go into law enforcement. And to this day, being a council member in the city of Indio, and she's a sergeant at Indio Police Department, we have a great relationship. We uh, have these conversations about the the 90s and the early 2000s in the city. And so it it just goes to show you that uh, community-oriented policing, our compassionate policing does work um, when you have those um, reports with your uh, community. Thank you for that, Wayman. When we get back uh, after the break, I want to talk to you a little bit about how some of those early uh, instances impacted you as you became a law enforcement officer later. You were with the Coachella Valley Chronicles, and I am Randy Florence. Let's just call it what it is. Coachella Valley Chronicles continues on iHub Radio. You are the story. Here's Randy Florence. Welcome back. We are talking to Mayor Pro Tem Wayman Furman from the city of Indio. Wayman, before we go back to that story, uh, you mentioned something briefly I wanted to talk about. Our lives crossed paths uh, at a little bit uh, uh, your earlier in your life when you spent some time up in the Bay Area. What took you up there? Well, you know, my, my mother's side of the family, um, a lot of families up in the Bay Area. I still have family up there now, and I try to visit as much as I can, but I'm so busy. Uh, it's hard for me to get up there, especially now with the pandemic. So um, from day one, every summer, or, or at Christmas, we were up in Oakland, and so I still have family there. I love the Bay Area. Can't afford it. It's a little <laughs> too fast for me. I'm, I'm a desert rat, so um, I'll live here, but I love to visit. I love Oakland, San Francisco, the surrounding communities, and so it's, it's just a, a different experience uh, to visit the Bay Area. We, we may be a couple of the only Oakland athletic fans in the, in the uh, desert, Wayman. Yeah, I, I tell you, I, um, I I don't run into too many athletic fans, but what's odd is uh, my planning commissioner that I appointed uh, to the city of Indio, Eric Seha, who actually works planning in Palm Desert. Uh, he's a big Oakland A's fan, and so are his children, so it worked out pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I like him yeah. already. Hey, let's go back to that first story. You were talking about um, 
the issue that you'd had being stopped in the streets, but you also had some influences uh, in law enforcement uh, that you were talking about that were extremely positive and important to you. The experiences that you had as a young black man in Indio, how has that impacted you as a law enforcement officer today? Well, Randy, you know, I, I, I have to be honest with you. Um, in the 80s and 90s, Indio in certain areas was a different place. Um, there was different things going on in the world um, that shaped some of our communities and, and not in a good way. So there were some things that I seen and, and uh, experienced um, that kind of guided me in the right direction that I didn't want that temptation in my life. And so um, at the same time, learning from some of these individuals who I would come across you know, um, in, in the community, in the neighborhood, and even some who are now who have changed their lives um, and who, you know, some are Christians and very active in some of our churches. And um, um, one thing I might add is they also knew my mother. So mm. um, we dare to, to be in the, in the neighborhood. They, they let us know you need to get home. <laughs> and so, uh, but at the same time, I learned some, some lessons from there. Um, I, I learned that... Um, you know, people are human. Uh, people make mistakes, and uh, I learned to forgive. But going into law enforcement, in particular uh, uh, the correctional system, at 22 years old, um, it's eye-opening, you know, because you don't have that much life experience, and you're dealing with, um, I'm, I'm dealing with level four, which is the highest in, in the state of California, those inmates. So it was very eye-opening, and I learned from my partners, and I also learned from the inmate population. And um, growing up in there, um, you go through changes. You, you mature as an individual, as an officer, um, and you have different goals, and, and you start to realize what your purpose is in that department. And so um, instead of thinking to myself, okay, I just want to go do my eight hours or 16 hours. I wanted to make a change. Um, I wanted to see how could I aid and stop in the circle of recidivism of uh, incarceration in our state or in our community. So um, at the time, uh, I was working investigations uh, inside of the, the prison system we call security investigations, and uh, was basically the equivalent to a detective on the street. And um, I talked to my supervisor, and I told him, I said, I want to do something different. I, I just don't want to do the everyday just chasing the bad guy. I want to try to help some of these men change themselves. So um, we started a, a, a group, a Christian men's group in there, where I started bringing students out to our institution to hear some of the testimonies of some of the inmates. And um, in the hope of them not going or following in their footsteps and um, I, I have to stress that it was not a scare straight program. I was going to ask you that, yeah. It was more of a reality-based program um, because I tell you, um, I had a young man here that I, I, I was talking to at one of our local schools, and he just got shot in the arm. So how could you scare someone who just got shot? You could just tell them the truth and try to give them some love and compassion that they might be longing for because most of the times when, when they're in the criminal element is because they didn't, they're not getting that at home or they're falling off track somewhere. So we started the program uh, uh, at my institution, and which is still going. Um, when I got elected to city council, I had to pass it on. But I, I, I do have to add that it was very 
therapeutic not only for the inmates, it was therapeutic for officers who would help me in and uh, um, when I would bring the students out and different supervisors would pop in, different administrators, administrators would come in and they started hearing these inmates speak and it changed the whole uh, atmosphere around us. So it, it was a good program, it's still going. Uh, some of my inmates have paroled and went home. They were disciplinary free for three years while they were with me. So um, more, of the, more of those programs are, are good in our, in our system. That's right. We need more of those. Thank you for putting those together. Wayman, when we come back, I'm going to want to talk to you a little bit about what a typical week is like for you. We are on the Coachella Valley Chronicles with Randy Florence. From the Gene Autry Trail to the Empire Polo Grounds. Have you seen it? Like desert sands through an hourglass. With great power comes great responsibility. These are the Coachella Valley Chronicles with Randy Florence on iHub Radio. Cool. Here's Randy. Welcome back to the Coachella Valley Chronicles. I am Randy Florence. We are here with Mayor Pro Tem Wayman Furman from the city of Indio. <clears throat> Wayman, welcome back. You are a council person, soon to be mayor. Uh, you have a full-time job at the prison. You're raising a family. What's a typical week look like for you? Well, you know what? I, I don't know what a week is. I just go. <laughs> it sounded uh, like I made you tired just asking the question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I tell you, Randy, I, I try to try to be the adult that I needed, mm. you know, so that, that has to work on a lot of different phases, not only just in my household, um, in my uh, work and in the community. Um, you know what, I, I've always been a, um, a routine person. I don't like when my routine is broken. So it starts from the night before, you know, and whether my days are unorthodox. So my uh, work Monday is actually Friday. So, mm. so I start my 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 week off, uh, you know, on a Thursday evening. But um, my typical day to day is uh, I get up first thing in the morning. I I um I do my meditation. I drink my water. I then have my coffee. I sit out, answer my emails, or make phone calls as I need to. I try to get a workout in before the house work, uh, wakes up. Um, I see my little one, um, you know, before I'm off to work. I head off to work at about noon. Um, I do my eight hours there, and, and uh, you know, it's about an hour and 20-minute drive to work. I get back if I need to answer any more phone calls or emails, or a lot of times what I do, I'll go out through the city at, at, at nighttime because um, 11.30 uh, p.m. in the city is different than 11 uh, a.m. Mm -hmm. So um, I try to see my city, uh, or I should say our city, um, at all times. So um, that's my typical work day. Um, my, what we call our regular days off in, in law enforcement, my RDO days, which are Wednesday and Thursday, are very busy. <laughs> so they're not days off. So I, I usually have council meetings every other week. Um, I'm, I'm on uh, different boards and committees. So those are throughout the week in, in the mornings. And 
off, but honestly, um, I'm in the community a lot uh, on those days. I meet with my constituents, um, and, you know, NDO now, uh, we are district-based uh, voting, but we represent the, the city as a whole. So if there's someone on the south side of the city that needs to talk to me about um, graffiti, I will go. Hmm. If someone calls me on the north side of NDO to talk to me about sidewalks, I go. Um, I don't believe in sitting uh, at a, a laptop or, or, or just working from an email. I, I'm a hands-on person, so I got to um, go and meet people. And this, the, the pandemic was so hard for me because I like to see people smile and I like to make people smile. You know, so the pandemic was hard not having that face-to-face contact. But um, I, I, when we say we give ourselves to the community, I literally belong to the community, but I always have. I can see that. Just following you on Instagram, I'm amazed at how often you are out there, even at a time when it's a little difficult to do that. I, I want to get into 2020 here in a moment because uh, clearly that was a, a, a pivotal year in a lot of ways for the Valley and for you. But you just mentioned something, uh, all of the different stuff that you do, your full-time job at the prison, being a council person in the middle of a pandemic, raising a family, there's, there's got to be a tremendous amount of, of pressure that you deal with on a daily basis. And, and I'm wondering how you kind of deal with that. One thing you just mentioned is that early in the morning you, you do some meditation. Is that one of the things that you do to kind of help yourself? Yes, I do. I, like I said, I'm a routine person, and um, I, I do a lot of meditating. I, I'm a music person, so I listen to lots of music, uh, um, all genres, mm-hmm. you know, uh, as as a youngster, my brothers and I we we started our own DJ company, and I, I was twelve years old. So we've grown up in music. So I, I'm, I'm an avid music person. Um, I recently took up hiking. Um, I love the outdoors. I love going out, just seeing the desert views. We have our desert is so beautiful. Um, sometimes um, I think we take for granted where we live at until you get out and see the world, and you come back and you're, you're just amazed of, of, of some of the outdoor activities we could do here in our valley. So um, I, I, I do a little hiking now. Um, I love to train. I love to work out. Um, in my early years, I was a competitive bodybuilder, so mm. I, I love to do that. So I, I, I find ways, and uh, um, I believe it was. Uh, Tony Robbins uh, uh, says, you know, you practice in private for what you rewarded in public. And, and, mm-hmm. and a lot of folks don't see what what goes on behind the scenes, but I'm okay with that. Um, I, I put a lot of work in behind the scenes, prepping myself for my day, uh, my body, and my mental health, because I, I, I do believe our mental health is just as important as our physical health, if not even more important. So I'm very cognizant of those things. And uh, so, yeah, I, I find ways and time to Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Well, let's get into a little bit about what you're doing today, Wayman. So you're going to be the first black mayor of Indio, and I'm I'm sure that has to fill you with a lot of pride. But it also speaks, it took a long time to get there. The blacks make up less than 3% of the Indio population. Growing up, did you feel that disparity? Well, you know, Randy, honestly, Growing up, I, I, I was brought up in, in, a, in a family and in the city as we we didn't really see color, but it was there. And when I say it was there, most of the African-American uh, folks in the city of India lived 
Lawrence or in the surrounding areas, and that wasn't by accident. You know, in the early 1930s, around that area, one of our first doctors in the area, Dr. Carrion, uh, gifted 20 acres to John and Miranda Nobles, who were uh, coming in, uh, migrating from Texas into California, and uh, he gifted this land to to John and Miranda Nobles uh, in, in the hopes of, of uh, more blacks uh, building homes and, and uh, um, raising livestock and growing their, their own produce, and those things were happening. And so in the 80s, we were there. I lived there, and I um, there it was kind of mixed, African-American and Latino, but um, in the late 80s, you know, with the... Uh, the expansion, uh, or what was supposed to be the expansion of the Indio Mall, um, the city um, enacted intimate domain uh, on the area, and all of the, the African-American population was dispersed. So mm. when we say 3% now, that 3% wasn't always there. We did have uh, a community there, and so, um, and I grew up there, so now as a council member, um, I'm very motivated to, um, I can't change history, but what I could do is change the the book cover of this story. And I'm in the middle of that. Um, I'm motivated to do that. We have some, some economic development coming in with the Grand Marketplace. Um, I, I've been in talks with uh, uh, the new owners of the mall. So um, things are happening, but it, it wasn't always like this, you know, so... Um, that that's my motivation but growing up here you know we did have a, a surrounding community of african-american folks in india i love that a new cover to the book i love that um i want to go you're in a very unique position right now working in the prison in the middle of a pandemic can you paint a little bit of a picture what that's been like wayman yeah i you know i i i, I have to give our, our administration and our warden a lot of credit um, how they handled the, the pandemic within the, the, the prison and also the correctional system. Um, nothing's perfect. Um, this pandemic has caught everyone by uh, surprise and in, in the changes and the different guidelines and from Sacramento all the way down to our city councils, how we have to um, put policy in place and so it's been a lot of change but one thing inside of the correctional system and the law enforcement as a whole you learn to adapt and make do with what you have and that's what we did so going into the institution right away you're given two uh, masks whether it's a regular cloth mask or N95 mask um, your um, temperatures is taken before you even come in um, we test uh, COVID testing um, um, once a week and um, we, we also been vaccinated as first responders, and um, you know, and it's not just us. That's because the safety also translates to the inmates. So the inmates are also given masks, um, and um, they're they're afforded medical attention whenever they're needed. They're they're follow the guidelines. They are to social distance, wear their mask. And it's a little. It's a different. Uh, uh, community inside of the correctional setting. I mean, we could do a whole show on that. Yes. But um, I, I tell you, a lot of folks don't understand what actually happens and what the inmates are afforded in there. And I, I, I'll be honest, it's not pretty. It's prison. But um, the inmates are taken care of in there. And it is our responsibility to maintain their safety and health as well. Do you have the same 
issues within the prison population that we have in the general population, the percentage of people who believe in masks or don't or believe in vaccines or don't? You know, I, I, I have had these conversations with, with my coworkers, and some, you know, are, are a little worried about the vaccine, and that's okay. It's a, perf- a personal uh, choice. Um, inside of the, the institution, it's not a uh, choice whether you can wear a mask. Now, that's a condition of employment now. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to wear a mask inside of there. But um, amongst the staff and amongst the, the inmates, everyone talks about safety and guidelines. And because, you know, no one wants to get this. Recently, um, we lost a partner. Um, he's an Indio resident, um, Jose Delgado, great friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Um and it was sad because he lost his mother as well, you know. So, and he was well liked um, not only amongst the officers but the inmates. So everyone knows what's going on. This it's how serious it is. So um, we all take precautions inside of there. Hmm. Being in law enforcement, uh, how do you walk that line? Do you ever have any challenges in your in your community? You know, Randy, inside of, of the correctional setting, you are with the inmates. So you right. learn a lot from them, and you build up a rapport. And how you carry yourself and outside is how you're going to carry yourself in there. So if you're a good person, you're going to be a good person in there. Now, if you have to do your job, it's not personal, but you do your job with respect. And the inmates know that. And um, I haven't had any issues um outside of my job now i I did have some uh uh uh, serious uh assignments that i've worked that you know like i said we could talk about in a whole (laughs) other show um but at the end of the day um i i i I garnered that respect and and respect doesn't happen overnight it's that trust and those those things that take time but um what i equated to is if you could work inside of a correctional setting dealing with so many different subcultures and religions and different things you could come out to the community and work in politics that's got to be great training when we come back for the final segment wayman i want to talk specifically about 2020 and some of the challenges you dealt with ladies and gentlemen we'll be back with wayman Furman in just a moment and the where. This is Coachella Valley Chronicles with Randy Florence. The 411 on the events, the personalities, and the history that have built an oasis in the desert. Here's Randy. Welcome back. We are here with my guest, Mayor Pro Tem Wayman Furman from Indio. Wayman, I want to talk about 2020 here in the last segment. And, um, you know, in the middle of everything we were going through last year, the country was faced with something else in the middle of the year with the uh, deaths of a, a number of young black people in the country. 
um, and some of those at the hands of law enforcement. You're in law enforcement. You're a politician in Indio, and you're a black man in that community. Um, how did that impact you? And I also want to know from you, when you hear someone respond to Black Lives Matter with All Lives Matter or Blue Lives Matter, how do you respond to that, Wayman? Wow. Um, good question. I, and I thank you for asking me this because I, I, I think these questions aren't asked enough. And I'll start with, with the latter part uh, of the Black Lives Matter. Um, sure, we all, we all know that All Lives Matter. We know that. But right now, Black Lives Matter more, and we need to recognize that. Because from so many facets, um, black lives have been affected by systematic uh, oppression in our country. And a lot of folks don't like to recognize that because they think that's uh, staying on them as a person, and it's not. It's, these systems have been in place since our country was originated. Our country was built of the back and hands of slavery, free labor. And a lot of folks don't like to talk about that because it's uncomfortable to them. It's not uncomfortable to talk about. It's actually healthy to talk about. So fast forwarding to now, we still have some of those issues in our community. I mean, we could point to any part of the country and we could talk about an issue that pertains to African-American people. And I stress to people, I said, our valley is not immune to some of those issues. I said, so we need to address them. So when we talk about Black Lives Matter, yes, they do matter. And so let's get educated. Let's just talk about our educational system. One of the issues that we have with folks not knowing some of the contributions that African Americans or you know blacks have made to our country is because it's not taught in our educational system. Mm -hmm. um, so what happens with that is if you don't start breaking it down from an early age in our youth, our kids are still being taught that one race is superior to another, or one race hasn't made contributions to our country like the others have, right? So me being 41 years old, I'm still learning. And uh, recently, uh, Governor Newsom signed a, a assembly bill of 1460 that uh, all Cal State University students will have to take three units um, to graduate uh, from, from college. So that's a start in the college system, but I believe that it needs to be down in our elementary and our high school system because we need to uh, break those walls down. And it not only teaches and empowers the African-American student or person, it also teaches the other cultures that look at what, what let's let them write their story. Let's read their story. Everything that we see on social media and uh, uh, TV is not the African-American that our country knows and so we need to write our own story we have uh, a divide in uh, the wealth gap you know um, for so many years um, uh, different uh, systems have been put in place that that other uh, uh, races will succeed and african-americans will, will be you know put to the side and that kind of comes back to when I, I brought up the intimate domain issue in the city of india now we're down to 3% of black people in India. Well, it wasn't always like that. And so just think about the possibility of uh, uh, some of those uh, kids and, and, and parents where they would have been if that wouldn't have happened. So we've been working a lot in our community. Um, I, I've been working with uh, Congressman Ruiz. I've been working with Supervisor Perez, uh, Pastor uh, Carl McPeters, Pastor Kipion Shefford, 
along with a, a, a Troy Strands, former city uh, city of Indio council member, um, we have uh, what we call uh, uh, the Dreams Coalition. We started, and uh, that's myself, Troy Strange, and a couple other elected officials. Um, I'm also um, doing work with African American um, Alliance out of uh, uh, um, the Inland Empire, and uh, next week we will be doing a um, a panel with uh, African American Parent Advisory from the Desert Sands Unified School District. Um, a former African American student here, so we can share our experience of the educational system here locally, growing up. So, what what the George Floyd incident did, um, it started these conversations, and it, and and we build relationships, and um, not only in our own communities, but with the law enforcement community, um, with our educational system. So, unfortunately, sometimes it takes uh, uh, bad incidents to happen for us to continue to learn and progress because. I tell you, Randy, um, a lot of folks don't know this, but black people were enslaved longer than we've been free in our country. So we still have a lot of work to do. Thank you for that, Wayman. In in the last minute or so that we've got here, I'd like to give you a chance to just kind of talk about your vision for Indio. Where do you see the city going and 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 what would fill your heart in the future when you look back at the job that you've done? goal number one is to leave the city in better condition than what I got it and so right now my focus is on um, downtown Indio uh, finishing that project the Indio food park just opened which is, is is capitalizing on our food truck industry and also our entrepreneurship in our city entrepreneurs are, are sprouting up everywhere so we want to really empower and capitalize off that we want to bring some of our small businesses um, um, here to downtown Indio and help them flourish, especially coming out, out of the pandemic, which was really hard on them, and also the, the Grand Marketplace um, in Indio. We want to finish that project. We want uh, our folks to know the history of that area, but we also want to bring some jobs and economic development to, to those areas. And uh, uh, I, I think the third portion of that is the College of the Desert expansion. That's that's going to be big and groundbreaking, um, bringing more students and, and housing uh, to the area. And so those are the things that are driving me now. Um, but it, I could go on. I could talk about our youth, things I want to do with our youth. Um, but one thing I did learn in, in local government, things do take time, and you do work with a council. So everything doesn't go your way all the time. But if we could find that common ground, um, we'll get somewhere. Wayman, thank you for that. It, it's I have been so excited about this interview. I've been following you for the last couple of years, and you are a person who speaks the truth about what they feel. You've done some tremendous things in, in that town over the last couple of years, and I just appreciate what you've done. Thank you for that time, Wayman. Everybody, this is the Coachella Valley Chronicles. You've been listening to Randy Florence.